I don't know which one this is. It's probably been 10 or 12 uh, altogether. But the Lord has blessed us so greatly. And uh, we've learned so much. Turn to your brother or your sister and just look them right in the eye and tell them, I love you in Jesus Christ. What a family, huh? I love the family of God. Amen. You know, the Lord, we're going we're gonna to talk about judging, by the way, tonight. Chapter 7. When you back up and look at the chapter as a whole, you'll, you'll see that the Lord dealt with uh, judgment. And what we can judge and what we should not judge. I can't say can't judge because you can judge anything. But what we should not judge. And God has intended for a church, for the church to be a place where you and I and all of our faults and failures can come to and have the safety of knowing that my brother will not judge me. And I went over like a lead balloon, didn't it? That my brother will not judge me, but he will love me, pray for me, and leave me in the hands of a merciful God. So we're going to talk about tonight about what we shouldn't judge and what we should judge. Matthew 7 and 1, we'll just read the first verse and pray a little bit. Everybody, let's just read it together. Judge not that ye be not that looks pretty simple, doesn't it? We could just stop right there, close the book, and go home. I think that's pretty self-explanatory. Judge not that you be not judged. Now, I know most of you are perfect. And there is no area in your life to be judged. You're just... Look at your neighbor and say, I've always wanted to know what perfection looked like. I saw one wife, she didn't even bother turn to look at her husband. She knew that wasn't going to happen. <laughs> she said, Pastor going to preach on judging. I don't want him to finish it up online, so I'm not even going to say it. Judge not. That you be not judged. Let's put our Bibles down and let's talk to the Lord for a moment. Lord, we want to hear your word tonight. We want to hear your word. I ask that you, you speak through me, Lord. This, this revelation, this 
inspiration that you've laid so heavily upon my heart today. I pray that you help me to deliver. That we might all receive the word of God. And leave here more like you. Hmm. Oh. Amen. Wow, what a presence of the Lord. You can be seated. Well, we've learned so much. We've gone through the Beatitudes in chapter 5. Chapter 6, we learned about relationships and how our relationship to man, our relationship to God, our relationship to ourselves. If you weren't here last Wednesday, did I teach last Wednesday? Was I here? Uh, then get the, listen to the podcast. And we're going to work on our new website. I talked to Amarilla about being able to download our podcast work on that. I got a new one we're going to launch here in a second. Relationship with myself. Jesus talks about relationship with your money or worldly possessions, much broader than just our bank account. A relationship with faith we talked about last Wednesday night. I think one of the most incredible things the Lord showed us was that the example that he used and that in your faith you ought to be like this, this little bird that gets up in the morning and goes, gets its worm, comes back to the nest. You ought to be like the flower in the valley that just opens up its little petals and follows the sun across the sky. You say, but Lord, it's not a fair comparison. The bird and the flower are non-sentient beings. They don't understand their surroundings. They don't have enough intelligence to be apprehensive about things. Enough knowledge or awareness to even, the bird doesn't get up in the morning and consider about whether the worm is going to be there or not. It just flies out and finds it. Brings it back. It's there, it's there every day. How can you compare us, sentient beings, who comprehend our daily lives, our surroundings, and our whereabouts, and our needs, and then tell us for our faith to be as that of the sparrow or the flower? But the understanding of that that the Lord showed us is that we need to recognize that we have no more power or control of our tomorrows than that bird or that flower. And the only hope you and I have every day is that we trust in Him. That's the only hope. That's why He says when He launches this whole teaching 
on the Sermon on the Mount, he launches this teaching with blessed are the poor. That word meaning, that word poor there meaning someone who depends on someone else for everything. Blessed are those that depend on me, the Lord says, for everything. If you depend on me for everything, you're going to be blessed. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to make sure everything's okay. So we made our way through chapter 6, and now we, we get back into, we get into chapter 7. The entire chapter here deals with uh, judgment. Now, from, from the surface of things, you wouldn't see that. But if you'll take the time to really look at what the Lord is saying, what He's talking about. And some of the, a couple of these things I'm just going to skip over tonight because uh, there's no way we have time to cover it all. I want to deal with uh, some things that I think that will uh, help you and I. The Lord says in uh, Matthew 7 and 1, judge not. That ye be not judged. And before we continue, before we talk about that, let's, let's look at verse number 2 and verse number 3. Because I want you to understand whom the Lord is speaking about here. In verse number 2 he says, For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with measure ye meet. It shall be measured to you again. Verse number three. What is the relationship that God is speaking about here concerning judgment? He goes on to say, And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye? But considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye. Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, let me pull out that little mote out of thine eye. When behold a beam is in thine own eye. He gets a little hard here. Thou hypocrite. Now, I don't want to get ahead of myself. I got I to gotta hold. I got to calm myself down. Thou hypocrite. First cast out the beam of thine own eye. And then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote of thy Brother's eye. Now, what is the relationship of judgment that God's dealing with in these verses? It's your brother. We're talking about me and you. Both of us have the same father. Both of us have the same mother. Sister Demas talked about that on Sunday. The church is our mother. God is our father. Our parents are the same. God deals with both of us the same. 
He's not a respecter of persons. And he's telling you and me he doesn't need us to judge the situation. He'll judge it. But if you want to judge it, understand something. However you handle your brother is how he's going to handle you. Now let's look at this just a little bit. I'll try not to get too stirred up. Judge not that you be not judged. This word judge here in its simple form is to distinguish, discern, divide, decide, to make a decision. So the Lord says, don't make decisions concerning your brother's problems, your Brothers or sisters whom you feel or have brought some understanding to yourself of their weaknesses or their faults or their failures. He says, do not judge your brother. Level two of this word is to try, convict, condemn, and punish. The Lord is saying, who are you? You're, you're making yourself the judge, the jury, the prosecutor, and the punisher. When you judge your brother, you decide within your own heart whether he's right or wrong. And in your limit ability, this is what makes God so mad if he gets that way, and he does. Is that in your limited understanding, in your finite thinking, you don't even know what's going to happen in the next 10 seconds of your life. But we take it upon ourselves to judge, discern, convict, condemn, and prosecute, and punish our brothers and our sisters. He said, how in the world can you do this? Judge not your brother. And if you do judge him, I'm going to judge you the same way. Now, you better hear what I'm talking about here tonight. We have the same dad. It's no different than two of my little boys coming up and you know, we know the story about the man that forgave the one and he went out and wouldn't forgive the other and sort of relates to that. The same judgment that he placed upon the poor servant and then the servants of the, of the king found out and they reported it and they came back. He brought him back before the king and he said, I forgave you of all of your debt, but you chose not to forgive your brother. It's a fulfillment of what God is talking about right here. And so the king, who was king of both of them, the level didn't matter. The level only mattered in the eyes of man. 
But in the eyes of the king, they were both his servants. One might have been a little wealthier than the other, but they were both the servants of the king. And so the king said this, okay, if that's how you choose that we should judge our brothers, then I will judge you with the same judgment that you judge that man. That's what this verse is talking about. We've got one father. And so he looks down on us and says, be careful how you handle your brother. Be careful how you handle your sister. Because I'm his daddy and I'm your daddy. And however you mess with your brother, I'm going to judge you the same way. Because I am fair and equal. And if you feel this is the way everybody ought to be judged, and it's how you're judging, then that's okay. Then the same meat in which you judge, I will judge back to you because I am fair and just. And I'm the daddy of both of you. And if I chose not to judge him, I suggest you keep your hands off of him. All right. Let's continue on, see if we can figure this out. Why behold us? I love that word. Why behold us? Thou the moat that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam. That is in thine own eye. God is sort of saying the very foundation of the fact that you're willing to judge lets me know you got a bigger problem. That word beholdest means to look upon, to stare at. Excuse me. I can only look at it with one eye. I got a beam in the other one. But I'm going to get that moat. <laughs> you know, if you're going to stare at a moat, you got to get pretty close. God's trying to deal with something here. You wouldn't take the time to get personal with your brother or your sister when they were in need and when they needed prayer and when they needed help and they needed a little bit of love. You just ignored them. But now they've fallen. Something's gone wrong. Now you want to get all up in their life. Where were you when they were struggling before they fell, before the moat got in their eye, before the disaster came into their life? Why weren't you all up in their life then? Praying, fasting, seeking, helping, encouraging, strengthening. This is what angers God so much. But when they fall, oh, we show up now. Now we want to judge. Now we want to decide. Now we want to convict. Now we want to punish. Huh. We get all up in one another's business. In the right way, we probably see a whole lot less failure. 
in the church. Why beholdest, beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye? But considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye. That word, that word mote, it means a tiny, dry piece of a twig or straw. The word beam means a timber. A beam of wood. The old saying, when you point that one finger, you got three more of them looking back at you. That's what the Lord's talking about. Tell your brother, I'm sorry for judging you. Be careful not to knock them over the head with that beam in your eye, though, when you turn and look at them. Matthew 7 and 4. Oh, how wilt thou say, how will you say to your brother, let me pull the mote out of your eye when there's a beam in your own eye? Thou hypocrite. You can't even see clearly. For we have all been born in sin, raised, or however that verse goes. Where's my Bible quizzers? Born in iniquity, conceived in sin or something. I don't know. Anyway. The Bible says you've all fallen short of the glory of God. No man seeks God. All of us have fallen. You're so wrapped up in our own carnality and sin, we can never see clear enough to discern right from wrong. We're so bad at it. The Bible says if man was left to his own deceit, to his own thinking, to his own ways, that he would go so far away from God, there would never be any hope from him. You cannot see clear enough to judge or discern. That's why Paul says, let him who is spiritual among you. Of course, I know y'all all think that's you. Let me give you a hint. If you think it's you, it's not. Because the very fact that you think it is, is a problem. How would thou say to thy brother, let me pull out the mote of thy eye, and behold, the beam is in thine own eye, thou hypocrite. First cast out the beam, cast the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast the mote out of thy brother's eye. But you know the beautiful thing about this is if you ever get the beam out of your eye, you're going to quit worrying about the mote in your brother's eye. You're going to start praying for him. You're going to fast for him. You're going to love him. You're going to help him. You're going to encourage them you're going to go to them and support them when the Bible talks about rebuking or correcting he doesn't mean in a self-righteous way it's in a loving kind gentle way Matthew 7 and 6 give not that which is holy unto the dogs cast neither your Pearls before swine, lest they trample them 
under defeat and turn again to rend you. He's talking about, of course, the dogs and the pigs. I don't have time to get into a little bit of history there, but one of the things he was addressing here, one of the mosaic commands was that um, if there was meat left over on the sacrifice, you were to burn it. But they got, they got lazy. And what they would do if there was any fat or meat left over is they, if there was a stray dog around, they'd cast it to the dog. They were disrespecting that which was holy. God said, no, 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 nothing touches this. This is dedicated to me. You burn it. If you can't eat it all, you burn it. Now, it looks like he jumped on a totally different subject here. But he didn't. He's still talking about you judging your brother. You come and make a sacrifice to him. And he accepts it. But you take the little extra and you throw it to the dog. How do you do that? By judging your brother. You cast it under the feet of the swine and they trample it down. How do you do that? By judging your brother. You ruin your witness. How do you do that? By judging your brother. The world's watching you. And if we fight amongst ourselves, what hope do we have for them? Don't cast this gospel to the swine. Don't throw this, this sacrifice that we make to live for him to the dogs. Don't cast it off to the dogs by judging one another and destroying your witness in this world. Clap your hands to the Lord and give God praise. You got to be careful when you think God just sort of jumps around. He doesn't jump around. He flows in his teaching. He's not a shotgun preacher. So he's telling you when you judge your brother and you judge, you judge your sister, you are, you are casting the meat, you are casting the, what's left over from the sacrifice to the dogs, or you are throwing your witness under the feet of the swine who trample it in the mud because you judge your brother or your sister. Verse number seven, <clears throat> we're not going to even get near finished. Ask and it shall be given you, seek and you shall find, knock and it shall be opened unto you. Now we're still on judging. He hasn't left that subject. For, for everyone that asketh receiveth, he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Or what man is there of you whom if his son asks bread, will, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye be an evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children. How much more shall your father which is in heaven give good things to them? That ask him. God is simply saying this. 
If you have the ability to judge man, you can look at a man and say, even though he's evil, he gives good gifts to his children. He said, then you should be able to judge the father. You ought to be able to judge the character of the father. And what is that? That whatever you ask, whatever you seek, whatever you knock for, your father will always provide. It may not be exactly how we see it or want it, but trust me, he will be there with the provision. If we would learn to judge the ways of God, And the way he treats us and how he looks to us and how he cares about us, as much as we judge one another, it would transform our lives. We would find out he's the provider of everything. He's the helper in every situation. He's the encourager no matter how discouraged I get. No matter how much pain is in my heart, two minutes in his presence, and all that pain has a way of fading out oh how he touches our soul how he blesses us my God have mercy he said you want to judge something judge me come on he says judge me why because he's perfect perfect in all of his ways perfect in all of his thoughts perfect in all of his deeds he's perfect in his love towards you and towards me if you're going to judge something leave your brother alone judge God he'll never fail you he'll never let you down he'll always be there for you he said I'll never leave you I'll never forsake you I'll be with you to the ends of the world Judge something, judge him. Knock, see if he don't answer. Ask, huh? See if the answer doesn't come. Seek and see if you don't find him. Verse number 12. Therefore all things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you. Do ye even so to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Just one little comment on that, something to think about. Whatsoever you would that men do to you, do to them. Lord, move on someone to get me a million dollars. The Lord said, why should I do that? If you had a million, I couldn't move on you to give it to somebody else. That's revelation, folks. That's revelation. Lord, you know my neighbor got two cars. He don't need two cars. It's like Bujo and Thibodeau. Bujo and Thibodeau walking down the road and Bujo, Bujo had had two donkeys, and uh, Thibodeau said, "Bujo," he said, "said Bujo, if you had two houses, 
Would you give me one of them? Man, you know if I had two ounces, I'd give you one. I know y'all heard it, but it's still funny. He said, Boudreaux, he said, if you had two barns, would you give me one of them barns? Man, you know I'd give you one of them barns. He named some other things. They're almost to, the, almost to Boudreaux's house. And Thibodeau says, Boudreaux, if you had two donkeys, would you give me one of them? He said, man, you know I got two donkeys. <laughs> we want God, we want God to move on people, right, and give to us. But the Lord says, no, 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 no. You do to men what you want men do to you. You want me to move on them in your favor and in your blessings, and I suggest you get busy favoring and blessing men. All right, that's a freebie. Matthew 7, 13. Just a few more minutes. It's almost 8, 15. We'll, we'll end here in a little bit. <clears throat> Talking about judging. Enter ye in the straight gate. Now, I want you to look at that word. S-T-R-A-I-T. That word doesn't mean straight. Like a straight path. The word means difficult. It means obstacles or to be blocked. Enter ye in at the difficult gate. The gate with obstacles. The path that has locks. The gate that has locks on it. Enter ye the straight gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go thereat. Now, we're still talking about judging. So God gives you the ability to judge here. All you have to do, if you want to know you're walking the right way with the Lord, if it's broad and easy, it ain't right. Now, I know we live in a world today where they preach money, money, honey, honey. And everything's easy. And if you got trouble in your life, you must not be living for God. You must be doing something wrong. That's false doctrine. It's the very opposite of the teachings of Christ. You, how could you live for a righteous God in an unrighteous world and not have difficulties? We've been preaching this for months. The world is not going to accept the church. But the worldly church is going to accept the world. They are implementing the things and the ways and the, the theologies and the concepts of the world into religion. But the real church, no matter how broad that road becomes to find your way to God in that religious world aspect, the church is going to be in adversity and difficulties 
Because straight or difficult. Straight is the way. Many obstacles on the path. It's where we live. It's the world. He said, if they hated me, they're going to hate you. If they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. But the world isn't your blesser. The world isn't where you get blessings and help from. God said, if you give up in this world, I'll bless you a hundredfold in this world and in the world to come. He said, but your blessings are going to come with persecutions. He did not excuse the church from persecution. Because in the last days, persecution is going to be one of the things that's going to define us as the real church. We're going to be the only one left that they're going to be persecuting. I don't know how they're going to do it, but somehow the Muslim world is going to be incorporated. I don't know how they're going to do it, but the Buddha world is going to be incorporated. I don't know how they're going to do it, but all these other things out there are going to become a one world government system religion. But the apostolic church is going to stay on that straight, that difficult, that road of obstacles. Because of that, persecution's gonna come. They're gonna say, why don't you just give in? Why don't you just give up? Just come our way. We'll leave you alone. Do it our way. We'll quit bothering you. Come our way. We'll make things good for you. I'm sorry, world. It never was about your way. It never was about my way. It's always been about his way. God gives us the power and the ability to judge the path that we are on. Want to judge something? Judge the path you're on. Because straight is the gate. Means difficult is the gate. The gate has obstacles. Narrow is the way. Which leadeth unto life. Few be there that find it. Verse number 15. Now, he launches from the broad way and the narrow way. I want you to stay with me. Sheep have shepherds. They're led by shepherds, flocks. Congregations, as we would say in our terminology, are led by preachers, prophets, teachers. When you're being led down a path, there's someone leading you. So there's got to be a way for me to discern if I'm on the right road. Even if I don't have truth, there ought to be a way that I can tell if I'm on that narrow, straight path versus that broad, easy way. That's the Lord's words, not mine. So stay with me. Everybody say, judge the path. Verse 15. Beware. 
of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing but inwardly they are ravening wolves okay stay with me so if they're a false prophet but they're dressed up like the prophet, they sound like him. This is soul power. They sound like him. They look like him. At the end of this chapter, the Bible says they're even going to stand before the Lord and they're going to say, but we cast out devils in your name. We healed the sick in your name. And he's going to say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. They do miracles. Everything about this false prophet looks just like the real prophet. You will not be able to discern him by his character, his words, or his actions. Jesus said he looks just like a sheep. But he's a wolf. So how can you discern whether the man in that pulpit is a true prophet? Is he leading me down that narrow road? Because listen to me, narrowness is a perspective. It's a perception. You might be walking down the widest road to hell. But in your mind, it's narrow. Because all you got is 50 million. Your neighbor's got 53. Why is life so hard on me? It's all perspective. So you can't just go by whether you feel like you're being persecuted or not. Because there are people that are walking down the broad road who feel like they're being the worst persecuted that there is. They live in their own bubble. But so do you. Everybody lives in their own bubble. That's why your problems are real. That's why you can't look at, you know, look at a, a brother or a sister and, and they just got their foot cut off from diabetes. You can't go up to them and say, quit whining, Bo. Johnny's brother just died. Well, that's Johnny's bubble. In my bubble, my foot's gone. What I'm trying to tell you is everybody's problems is real to them. That's what I'm trying to tell you. So don't ever belittle your brother or think bad of them because you look at them and you think your problems are bigger or worse or whatever. Ah, I don't have time to deal with all that. Stay with me. So how am I going to be able to judge this man? You don't. He doesn't tell you to judge him. He tells you to judge his fruits. You want to know if he's a real prophet? 
judge the ones that are following him? Are they walking the narrow path? Have they come out of sin? Have they denounced unrighteousness? Have they separated themselves from the world? Or are they allowed to come in amongst this one whom calls himself a prophet and live comfortably in their sin? You want to know how to judge the man whether he's a prophet or not? Whether he's of God or not? Or whether he's a false prophet? You judge his congregation. Put your hands together. I'm telling you how to judge. He said, you shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but every corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth forth not good fruit is who down cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruit shall you know this. You go somewhere and you visit, all you have to do is look around and find out. Have they come out from the world? Have they separated themselves? Is righteousness and godliness and, and come out from among them and be you separate? Touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you unto myself, thus saith the Lord. Don't judge the man, judge the fruit. Judge them by their actions or their character or the way they look, you're deceived. They're in sheep's clothing. But one thing that they cannot deceive you with is their fruit. Is because it is impossible for a sheep and for a wolf in sheep's clothing. To produce sheep. He, <laughs> he might look like a sheep, but his offspring's gonna be wolves. Because that's what he is on the inside. All right, let me leave that. I'm getting a lot of resistance and I don't know where it's coming from. I got enough trouble going on in my life. I don't need you. Matthew 7 21. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Talked about this already. Many will say in that day, have we not prophesied? Were we not the prophet? Why? Listen, God is, do you understand? He did not change subjects. We always try to decide, why did he say to them, depart from me, ye that work iniquity? What, what, what is that? What is that work? Why did he say to them, I never knew you? They cast out devils. They did miracles. They did all these things in his name. And we try to think of all kinds of reasons why. He already explained it in the verses before. 
these people are the same false prophets he was talking about just a few verses earlier. Depart from me, ye worker of iniquity. What is the worst iniquity that could ever be produced on the planet would be a man to get up and preach half-truth. To get up and preach to a congregation just enough to make them feel religious, but not enough to get them out of sin. There is no worse iniquity than that. Depart from me. I don't care how many dead you raise. I don't care how many blind eyes see. I don't care the miracles. It doesn't matter how many devils you cast out. You did that by my power. You did that by my name. But you are a worker of iniquity because you would not preach my word to my people. Now they're following you down that broad road and they're going to end up in hell and they thought you were bringing them to heaven. How can there be worse iniquity than that? That's why the Lord even says to me and you, but I got a way you can figure it out. Just stop and look around. If everybody following that man is still in their sin, still living unrighteous, comfortable in their ungodliness, there's something wrong. He is a wolf in sheep's clothing. I'm just going to put it to you this way. If you're attending a church where there's a real prophet in your life, it's impossible for you to be in that church very long without him making you mad. Without him making you uncomfortable. That's right. Well, Pastor, can't we find a different path? This path's got all kinds of obstacles on it. Well, I didn't put them there. I'm just on the path the Lord told me to go home. All right. Woo. Verse number 24, we're, we're shutting it down. Then he tells us to judge the house. Judge the house. Want to know why he's got us on a path of obstacles and difficulty? Because he knows the storms are coming. I don't know what we're going to have to face. I really don't. Because I know that I'm looking at a group of people whose mind is made up. So no matter what comes, I'm staying on this path because it's God's path. It's God's path. And so no matter what happens, no matter how the wind blows, no matter how the storm comes, he said, I don't have time to read it. One build it on a rock. Sure foundation. That's another Bill Gaither old song, isn't it? I'm built on a rock. Sure foundation. That laugh was pretty loud and obnoxious, wasn't it? I don't think she's judging me. I, I, I'm not sure what's going on. So one, he said, one build it on a rock. 
The rain fell, the floods came, the wind blew. And it fell not. For it was founded on a rock. The other one built. The houses looked just alike. Now you drive down neighborhoods these days, right? They're all the same. Such a rip off. I can see them charging the first guy 300000 But you learned all your mistakes on the first house. My house was a whole lot easier. It might be the same house, but you, you went, you spent three months, three months on this one. You built mine in two days. You learned everything. You ought to charge me like 50 bucks. Material plus 50 bucks. I was preaching. Oh, the houses. You look at them, they look just the same. The only thing that's going to cause you to know the difference is how those houses respond to tribulation and persecution. If you want to know whether you are convicted about something or whether you're just living for God out of convenience, you're going to know that when the wind blows and the rain falls and the ground shakes. Then you're going to know whether you really believe this or not. That's it. Let's stand, if you will. And it came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine. For he taught them as one having authority. And not as the scribe. Learn what to judge. And learn what not to judge. Don't judge your brother. There's too many problems in your own life. You love your brother. Love him. Pray for her. Let God do the judging. Because when I mess up, have I ever messed up? You don't know, do you? You're so sweet. You never messed up. I know that. One up on you, baby. One up on you. I just ruined a good thing. I probably could have had a good night tonight, and I just ruined that. I tell you, guys, open up their mouths and. Put your foot in it. Persecution. So we got to learn what to judge. You judge your path. Every once in a while, stop and look around. 
more people would quit being religious. You do know religion is going to send more people to hell than anything else. Jesus Christ did not establish a religion. He established a relationship. You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. It's relationship. If they would just stop and look around and be honest with themselves, God would show them. He would reveal himself to them. You know, the Lord died for this thing. And he, I love that song. He didn't leave me where he found me. That came from my wife, bro. My wife said, get Brother Sap. You're not judging? I wonder if the Lord says that. I start singing. That's why you move. That's why God moves on. Get Brother Sap. I wish I could sing. It wouldn't do me much good because I can't remember the words to any of the songs. But he, he died for this thing. And he died to make a difference. When your pastor gets up here and he preaches, and he will. I will snort and stomp, preach on sin, so that I can stay out of it myself. That's what happens to men that don't preach on sin. In love. I don't mean, I don't mean harsh and ugly. I'm in love. They fall into it themselves. All right, I'm rambling. I want it to get to 5.30, 5.40. I mean, 8.40. It's two more minutes. I'm just kidding. So, let's stop judging one another. You know, most of the time when y'all come in my office, I have to duck because that beam in your eye. Y'all come in my office. Pastor, I need to talk to you about someone. I think I missed my calling, Brother Chance. I should have been a stand-up comedian. I was kidding. All right, all right, I'm going to lose this if I don't get it back in. Let's not judge one another. Before you think evil of your brother, you better examine yourself. Because however you judge them, the one father, the same one that they have, he's going to say, okay. So that's how you view judgment then the same judgment that you meet 
I'm going to meet right back to you. So if you don't, if you don't want to be judged the way you're judging, I suggest you fix your judging. Whatever that's got to take. Amen? Everybody say, I will not judge my brother. I will love them, pray for them, encourage them, uplift them, help them. I will judge my path. I will judge my surroundings. I will judge my house. Now those are the things I'm going to judge because I got to know they're right. What you need, baby? You need someone to cook on Saturday for Sister Nicole. She have her baby already? Oh, that's right. Uh, Edward? No. Edward? His name's Edward? Yeah. DJ? DJ? Oh, okay. So one of you ladies know how to cook good. See, Sister Kyle, she needs someone to cook on Saturday for Sister Nicole. I guess she got all the other days filled. And what was the other thing? What do we got tonight? Ooh. Ice cold. We got ice cold drink, Cajun wings, and barbecue wings for you sissies. Honey buns. I want a honey bun. Are they hot? They, yeah, heat, heat it up if you can find a way. All right. And uh, and tacos. This is to, no tacos. Nachos. Okay, now that there is no difference between a taco and a nacho. Maybe there is. I don't know. All right. So be sure and buy when you go out because this is helping us get this nice camera. We're gonna be Facebooking. I know y'all scared about putting something like tonight on Facebook, but. We're going to be live streaming on Facebook, our services. We want it to be right. I love you. You're the best people in the world. Don't forget the word of God. God bless you. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. Amen. Love you.